Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. If you're going to serve God in this kingdom, you'll have to overcome a lot of challenges and disappointments and even detractors and opponents. To do this, you'll need the right motivation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul tells us of a day in which our works will be tested by God's fire, and anything that we do that is built upon our own fleshly motives will burn away. Now, that should make you want to test your motives for serving God. But as we learn today, we shouldn't let ourselves stop serving God just because we don't know for sure that all of our motives for serving Him are pure. Actually, after the message last week, one of the brothers came up, one of our brothers came up and spoke with me, and he asked a question and he made a point that I think is quite important and relevant. As we look at this idea of finding the right motivation in serving God, what you have to know is you'll never entirely sort it out. That's why there's this fire that takes place. No matter how you think and how well-meaning you think you are, it's going to be polluted with attitudes and ideas and desires and motivations that are not entirely pure. And so I'm personally looking forward to the time when the fire will sweep over all of the things that I have thought I've been doing for the Lord alone. But I know that mixed in it is a lot of motivation that is not pure and not right and is of my own doing. And so I'm glad for this to come upon me. We spoke about some of these weaker motivations. We spoke last week about people who are motivated in kind of a competitive desire to create an apologetic where if we can just get more people coming to Christ and we get more people thinking the way we think, then we can prove that what we think is true. And what you find out is their motivation is not really generated by faith, but it's actually generated by a deep insecurity about their faith. You've got other individuals who are doing the ministry out of jealousy. They had a great desire to do something significant in their life. They saw someone serving the Lord and they saw honor that they were receiving or something significant that was happening. And they thought, you know, I, I want to do that too. I want that honor. I, I want to do something great with my life. And what happened was that ambition began to turn to selfish ambition and they become jealous at the success of others, even in serving God and ministry and the honor they're getting. And they think, I want as much honor as they're getting. And I want more honor than they're getting. And Paul talks about this. He talks about people who are motivated in ministry out of jealousy and selfish ambition. And so that's not a proper motivation. And that's going to create a lot of wood, hay, and stubble that's going to burn away. And so you want to make sure, if, if you're me, you want to make sure you address that. But I'm glad the Lord is going to address that to a large extent, far beyond my ability to in the future. Oh, and there are other things we talked about. You can say, Lord, I'm just coming in and I'm going to serve you out of sense of duty. I'm just going to do what I know you've commanded me to do. And that's right. That's much better. But duty can turn into kind of a drudgery that you just kind of monotonously plot out. And it's, I'm suggesting there's something better than that. Then you can be motivated by compassion. We mentioned that. But what happens with compassion, oftentimes it gets twisted and turned to where you just help people only to alleviate your own discomfort at their pain and misery. And as soon as you can do enough for them to make yourself feel better about their pain and misery, then you kind of slack off on what you're doing because you're 
Compassion is a fleshly compassion. Or even worse, out of the sense of compassion, you can begin to work to just square away life for these people because you begin to think secretly, it's not fair that God has done these things. I'll, I'll correct this for God. You're trying to improve on the justice of God and you begin to think that everything the gospel was made and everything the gospel we minister to others is just so we can make them happy. As if the chief end of all being is the happiness of man. And we forget that the chief end of all being is the glory of God and that has to motivate us. So we want to look at our motivations. We want to consider them. We want the fire of God someday to come and purify all those things. But let me say this to you. This was the point of our brother last week as he spoke to me. Let me say this to you, that I don't stop from serving God. I don't stop from heeding God's call, from seizing God's opportunity. Or I should say this, I should not stop from serving God. You should not stop from serving God, heeding God's call, seizing the opportunities to serve and minister to others and speak for Him until you sort your motivations out. The individual who knows or senses God's leading to a certain area of service and they say to you, you know, I, I'm just not ready to do it yet because I don't know if I'm doing it for the right reasons. It's just do it. Just get into it. Listen, God actually is going to sort out all those things when he has a fire sweep over you. But in the meantime, get to work. And if you want to sort, you can try sorting it out while you're working. You can try to deal with it while you're working and to purify your motives. But get doing things. Get serving the Lord. Get obeying His command. Start living your life in such a way that you are pursuing every opportunity to impact others with the truth of Jesus Christ and His life. And you're using your gifts and you're using your talents. And you're sharing with others the things that God is revealing to you and showing you. And you're imparting to others the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and the words and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ as often as you can. Don't wait until you get it all figured out it's a foolish thing to try to pry at all the hidden things in your heart and some kind of introspective self-inquisition to see if your work is perfect beforehand. That's the Lord's job. That's what He's going to do one day. If you ask, though, the Spirit of God will begin to make these things known to you, and that's what we're, why we're talking about it right now. But just along those lines, to emphasize this one point, about the fact that we need to get into the labor before we figure out all of our motivations. Right after Paul talks about this fiery trial, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he goes on and he expresses God's call upon our lives. He said that it, the one thing God requires of a steward is that they might be found faithful, faithful to God's call, faithful to God's leading. And then in verses 3 through 5, Paul says these words. Turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5. And if you listen to it, you can almost imagine the situation that Paul is in. Remember, Corinth is a community where the church is divided up into parties, and some people are in the party of Apollo, some, some people are in the party of Peter, and some people are in the party of Paul, and all got their spiritual hero, and they're divided up. And the people in the party of Apollos and the people in the party of Peter are probably criticizing Paul and how Paul is going about doing things. Paul writes this in verses 3 through 5 to these Corinthians. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this. 
but he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels, the motives of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. There are individuals who are questioning Paul's motivations in ministry. They're pecking away also at the effectiveness in ministry. And this is the answer that he gives them. Reminds me of a layman, a friend of mine, who became involved in our ministry years ago. He was from one of the larger provinces in Canada. He was a businessman, and he began working with us over 20 years ago in Ecuador. And as a result, God began to give him some great success. So much so that he began to find other people to run his business in order that he might spend more and more time developing this ministry. Eventually, he had over 25 churches in his surrounding area that were doing partnerships and working with us in Ecuador. Since that time, he's continued that work so that today, it was only a few years ago, this started about 21 years ago, a few years ago, he sold the very large home that he and his wife had lived in that he was quite successful at in order to downsize in a small home because he needed more resources to pour into the ministry that he's doing. And now he works in about three different countries. He also sold his business eventually. He ran out of people that could run it for him. It was distressing him too much. It became too much of a focus. So he sold his business. But you know, about four years into the ministry of his growing, he had an obstacle in the ministry, which was the pastor of his own church. The pastor of his own church began to very significantly question the effectiveness of what he was doing began to think that he could be more effective if he had poured his energies into what was happening in their local church, was, in a sense, trying to not only defeat the ministry he was doing and developing out of their own local church, but all the other churches that he was working with. And so he contacted me, and we devised a plan in order to change that and to kind of counteract this pastor's skepticism. Maybe it's true, maybe it's some honest questions. Why don't you take him with you on your trip next time to Ecuador and see what it's like? So my friend prevailed upon his pastor to come and to see the work that they were doing and to go and tour all the churches that they had planted, which were a number of them. One of the churches that they went to was a church that was named after the very church that this pastor was a pastor of in this other country, right, in this large province. It was named after the church. It was a flourishing church. They would planted it, and they would given it the name of the home church. When the people and the pastors of Ecuador knew that my friend was coming and that he was bringing his pastor... They gave, you can imagine, they gave him a lot of honor. I mean, he got to sit up. They put you on a big, huge chair on their front platform, and you sit there. Even if you don't want to sit there, they insist on you sitting there. And they all put a big production, and they might put your name up on a banner behind them because they make a big deal about it. And they made a big deal about the pastor as well. And you might think that seeing the effective stuff of the ministry changed the pastor's dissent or objection to my friend's ministry, but it, it didn't. It added a new one. So he no longer questioned the effectiveness of his ministry. He saw the effect of it. What he said is, you're doing it for the wrong motive, and you shouldn't be doing it. You're only doing this in order that you could get honor from all those people and get their praise and get their accolades, and it's wrong, and you're, you're wrong in doing it. And I think that's what's happening to Paul. I think people are plucking away at Paul's motive. They're trying to say, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're trying to get attention to yourself. You're trying to make a big name for yourself and you're not satisfied. And Paul is answering these people who are nipping away at his motivation or his effectiveness. And Paul basically says, you want to know something? I don't sit around fretting over your judgment. I don't sit around fretting and worrying about the judgment of human court. 
I don't even worry about my own judgment on these things. I don't let my questions about my motives stop me from being faithful to the call that God has placed upon my life. I'll obey Him. I'll follow His command. I'll bear witness to Christ and His gospel in all that I say and all that I do, and I'll leave it up to God to one day come and reveal the places and the points in which my motivation was not pure. I don't know anything against myself, but that doesn't mean I'm justified. He's the one who would justify the work. He's the one who will bring the sweeping flame and the sweeping fire. And... But the day will come when He's going to reveal the hidden motives of my heart. And He'll do it for you too. And when it comes... He'll sweep over to burn away all the impurities of our motivation. And then each man will receive his praise of God. God is going to let the fire come, not to punish us, not to detract from us, but to isolate those things in our life that will say, that was good, that was right. And each man will receive his praise of God. So judge nothing before it's time. What a wonderful idea, what a wonderful thought, how it keeps us from being stopped by the accusing voice of our own fleshly inquisitions or by the accusing voice of Satan who would want to stymie us or the accusing voice that he puts in the mouths of others who would keep us from pursuing our service of the King. Thank you for joining us today at the Bread of Life, the radio ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. It's our delight to share with you a morsel from our weekly time in God's Word. If you'd like a copy of this message, call us at 208-331-4096 or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn more. Until the next time, God bless you.